Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. So the sun is shining as we record uh, this episode today, which I'm super, super, super glad uh, that it is. The sky is blue. Um, And I'm even happier uh, to welcome um, my guest today, uh, Charlotte Hamill, COO at uh, Born Social. Uh, Hi, Charlotte. How are you doing? Hi, Ben. Um, I'm great. Great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm well. I'm definitely missing our office. I think uh, I'm realizing that I'm definitely not made for the remote lifestyle. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. What about you? Yeah, very much, very much the same. Um, I think we were, t- we were talking earlier about uh, how much harder it is to, I guess, like navigate things when you just can't feel the energy of people around you. So, um, but I keep thinking about it as a training program, like think how amazing it will feel when we're all back reunited and we can kind of see each other face to face again and you know, communication will just be a million times easier. So, you know, looking forward to that moment. Yeah, I, I feel it's, I feel it's, I feel it's getting closer. Um, so when, when we started this podcast, the Culture Ops podcast, um, one of the people that I absolutely knew uh, I would interview at some point um, is, is you. Um, <laughs> Partly because, uh, you know, fun fact, I guess, about us is that we used to work together. Uh, we worked together for about six years at Bourne Social uh, while I was still involved in that business. You're now doing the job that I did. Uh, so I previously was COO there. Now you're COO. And um, when we worked together, I guess that was at a really poignant point in, in my career when uh, you know, I guess I was starting out to some degree and starting to form a lot of my opinions that relate to culture and people. And I feel like we formed a lot of those opinions together in 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 those early days. And you know, we would have lots of discussions about this. And really, I think the thesis that that I have and I know that you share is born out of a lot of those early conversations. So you know, I'm really excited for the conversation that we're going to have today because it feels like, uh, to some degree, we're kind of uh, we're going back to the early days uh, to to where a lot of my passion for this began, and I know uh, yours did also. Yeah, totally. I think um, you know, to reiterate what you said, it was like we discovered together uh, the important role that culture plays to the, the success of a business. Um, and I, I don't know if it was a new thought to other people, but certainly it was the first kind of foray into business together and hitting on those moments where you're like, oh my God, like it really matters, you know, how we talk to people and and how we make them feel about, you know, working with us. And uh, so, yeah, totally agree. Can't wait to kind of get into it. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, let's jump into the topic that we're going to discuss today. And what I thought we would do is, yeah, is, is have a discussion about what happens next. What happens when all of this is over? What are the learnings that we're going to take from it? But also, how are we going to think about how we're going to um, operate our businesses uh, differently? Before, before we do that, and before we kind of jump into those early questions, why don't you tell us a bit about Born Social, your role there, and uh, what the business is all about? 
Sure. Um, so Born Social is a social media agency and we are eight years old this year, which um, feels like a lifetime in some ways and a blink in another. Uh, but yeah, eight years old, um, which is actually you know fairly long standing in the world of social media. Um, so we're, we are veterans in the space <laughs> as it were um we work across all different sectors so fmcg hospitality beauty kind of a real range but um uh, main thing is we specialize in helping businesses who want to think like david not goliath and what we mean by that is um these businesses tend to want to challenge the status quo in some way they want to outthink a challenge they're facing rather than outspend it um and they have this mindset where they want to turn the challenges they are facing or experiencing or that they can see into an opportunity for them as a business. So uh, that's kind of our our angle, our USP, our differentiating factor as an agency. Um, and so clients we work with, I mean, I had to list kind of a few, We've got uh, Copperberg, Tinder, Nando's, Chili's, Bottles, um, Snickers. They all possess these characteristics uh, which makes for some like really brilliant client relationships um, and kind of even more uh, brilliant work. Um, so I guess maybe for the ops geeks among us, <laughs> the right audience, finally, um, structurally, that looks like a team of 50 split into five kind of key functions. So you've got your um, uh, teams that are creating the really cool content with clients. So strategy, creative, media and client services. And then you've got the kind of the back end business functions, um, which I sit massively within and oversee in my role. So kind of new business marketing, finance and ops, um, that fun stuff to make sure that all the really creative, clever people can do their brilliant, brilliant work. Um, but, you know, we have an amazing team that work brilliantly together. Um, and I'm very proud. Hopefully you can tell of the of the work and the agency that we have and having been involved since the, the beginning. Yeah, it's a... Um... Uh, it's a pretty special team and it's a pretty, pretty special culture, which I know that you shepherd and think very, very deeply about and probably more so than ever, right? Like the scenario that we find ourselves in, you know, both you and I have a very sunny disposition. So, you know, we, we like to consider the, the positives of, of, of what is happening and, and, and look to the future and look to the benefits that are going to come out of all of this. but there are going to be some impacts and it has been a really, really difficult couple of months. Uh, you know, everyone is experiencing this lockdown, this pandemic slightly differently. And so for sure, there are going to be some long-term effects on how we think about teams, how we think about culture and, and, you know, both how we need to look at them in the short term, but also, in the effects that we're going to see across them in the medium to long term. Mm. And so that's what we want to kind of dig into is, um, you know, what happens when all of this is over? What are the things that we're going to see? Uh, how are things going to be shaped? Um, what do you think the most obvious and clear changes are going to be once um, this lockdown is lifted? It's a good question. I think um, the most obvious one is that there is probably going to be an immediate drop in desire to work from home and work remotely. I think we'll all be you know, desperate to um, get back into a scenario that takes the work out of our homes, actually, um, and helps us differentiate between like, 
you know, home and work a little bit more. But I think once that immediate knee-jerk reaction has passed, I do think we'll see an increased um, demand and higher expectation on employers to make um, flexible working, remote working um, a more viable option uh, for for everyone. Um, So I think it's really important whilst we are uh, in this scenario as, as, you know, business managers, we are reviewing and learning what is working and what isn't and what we are able to put in place more permanently. Um, You know, I don't think we need to feel bad for, you know, retracting some of the flexibility that we've been, you know, forced to offer during this time. You know, if it's not the best for the business, it's okay to say that's not that's not work worked brilliantly. Um, But actually let's really challenge ourselves to go actually that worked pretty well. Can we implement that permanently? Um, So I do think that's going to be a big change that we'll see. Um, I know already uh, a lot of businesses um, have had to invest and use kind of technology in in, in new ways. Um, I don't think that will be undone. I think actually everyone's pushed themselves to learn. As our business, we are quite kind of tech savvy already. But a lot of businesses have had to kind of make quick gains in that area. And I think it'd be pretty bonkers to kind of undo those gains. Um, so that's a fairly, I think, positive, positive change that that we'll see. Um, the thing that I actually have been thinking about, though, um, that is kind of, I don't think, a posit- where it isn't a positive change, is that it's what what happens when um someone experiences trauma which is which is what this pandemic has has given us it is a, it is has been traumatic um in in lots of ways and for for lots of different people um and that stays with you and whether you've been furloughed or made redundant or seen budgets drastically cut um i think people don't forget that and even if your business is in a, in a healthy place, the people I do think will carry this slight worry. You know, what if it happens again? And and actually, it's a um, it's a clinical psychologist um, term is it, for, for this is futuring. When your reality has been shaken, suddenly you realise bad things happen. And your brain starts trying to predict and prepare for more bad things to happen. So people that have been made redundant, for example, will always have that slight worry that in their next job, they're going to be made redundant again. And I, when people are um, scared or under threat, that is not the kind of headspace to be in to do your best work. So I think that's something businesses need to be really aware of and be prepared for how they are going to try and build um, that sense of security in their teams again. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. So there's two things I want to pick up from that. And and the the first is around office space. Um, For sure, we're going to see an increase in people people wanting to come back together and spend time together. Um, You know, there's probably an element of bias in that opinion from the both of us because, you know, we're pretty social creatures and, you know, we definitely enjoy, you know, the office space. There is the other, the flip side of that argument, though, which I'm seeing from some people, um, which is, hey, we've not seen a drop in our productivity. 
do we even need our office? Should we just go fully remote? And, and so as a person who, you know, is passionate about, uh, you know, interhuman connection uh, rather than just digitally and, and virtually, actually that happening uh, in real life, you know, what, what are the reasons why you're passionate about having a space where your team can come together regularly to meet and discuss and make stuff happen? Oh, it's such a good question. And and sometimes it's quite hard to, you know, put into words what that um, face time and human connection actually does give you. Because, um, you know, we were talking before about what is the difference between seeing a screen full of faces and judging the reactions versus seeing those faces in 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 person and and feeling the reactions it's like when you can feel someone's behind you but you can't see or, or hear them you just know someone is there and that physical presence is another another sense and I don't think it's needed the entire time and I think it'll be really sensible for businesses to potentially think about how they utilize their office space um going forward so do you take up a smaller space and actually rotate teams in a little bit more uh, rather than have a desk for everyone all the time I think we'll see an increase in 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 um moves like that um but why do I think it is important um I'm just such a firm believer in the more we know each other the better we work together and it's not being with each other is not the only way you can get to know each other, but there is something it gives you that the other mediums can't. In the same way, you can read people's writing and that tells you a certain thing about their style. Seeing someone's body language and seeing them interact with other people, um, it, it, it gives you more data on each other. It just gives you more data and the better you can, you know, put all that data together and, and, and use it, um, you know, it just makes for a better, for a better team. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to, I'm the type of person that's going to fall on that side of the argument as well, which is I'm going to know the people I work with. And I mean, really know the people I work with far better when there's, um, you know, real human connection happening, than I am if we, you know we just are having a relationship through a screen or, or via some instant messaging uh, collaboration tool. Switching to think about, <clears throat> you know, this idea of you called it futuring. So how people, after you know something traumatic and bad has happened in their lives consider that it might happen again at multiple points in the future. What do we need to do as leaders to support our teams, reassure them, but also, you know, I guess there's a limit to how much we can reassure people because we don't fully know what the future holds and what a kind of post-COVID world looks like. So there's a there's an element of mm. of balance there, right? We can't be too optimistic. We have to strike something in the middle. Yeah. So um, I often think trauma comes most uh, when it's unexpected. And, um, you know, obviously we can't predict some unexpected things that happen kind of at a global level. But actually, if we're running our businesses um, well, we have the ability to um, share insights into how our business is doing. So 
you know, we have said to people in our team, um, you know, please trust that as a business, we are having all the conversations that we need to be having as a leadership team to manage the business through this scenario. Um, you know, this does include furloughing options. So many people I've spoken to, furloughing com- came completely out the blue. Literally, one day they came in and it's a message they've been delivered. You know, that's so unnecessary. Trust your teams with important information so they can get their head around possible outcomes. And it's hard to do because I get you don't want to create panic. But actually, by giving our teams the the context that, you know, we are scenario planning allows them to process it and allows them to ask questions they have so that if a decision is made, that is not the first time they have heard that bit of information and they've just, they've warmed up to it ever so slightly. And, you know, that is very COVID specific, but as a business, I think, you know, if you're thinking about moving offices, some people, um, you know, love habits. They are real, real creatures of habits and find it really difficult to process that their commute might change. So don't suddenly announce, you know, we are going to be moving and uh, it's across the city. That That's a big deal. Like, leave breadcrumbs, bring people on journeys. It's not that difficult. And it just is, is good good courteous communication to be honest yeah so transparency i think is a really interesting theme both in terms of now and handling a crisis but also as we look to the to the future and you know how how are we going to run our businesses differently how are we going to think about our teams and our cultures Uh, you know along with transparency are there any other things that you think will prioritize differently from an internal perspective after lockdown has come to an end uh, I mean, I'd be amazed if it didn't change things. Um, I I guess the three things I would pull out um, is why we do what we do. I think we've all had a big shock of um, an injection of perspective. So have we suddenly thought like, oh my God, what is the point of our business? Like really, who are we helping? Like, have we been useful in this, in this period? Um, I certainly feel like we have been very useful to our clients and a lot of our clients do super important work. Um, So I haven't had that kind of crisis in confidence in, in our why, but I think digging deep and reflecting on the why we do what we do will be a priority for a lot of businesses um i think we will prioritize the people we are choosing to join our teams if you are a business that in this period has you know struggles to trust your teams you know you should be asking questions you know, why did i find it so hard to let my teams do their jobs remotely why was that so difficult um trust is a fundamental for any team to work well it if you feel trusted you are so much more likely to do a better job um and to and to value that trust and use that trust that's being placed in you um so if you don't feel like if you do feel like you've been able to give that fantastic continue doing what you're doing and be conscious of the importance of your people but if you struggled 
they, there are some questions to ask um, quite quickly. And then um, I do think there's this, this again, coming from that injection of perspective that, you know, and I do think we knew this, but doing good is good for business. It makes your team feel good. So lots of people have in, injected these new initiatives to help contribute um, to kind of the recovery of whether it's the economy or or literal physical recovery of people that have been unwell. Um, but you know, what can you do as a business that really contributes to making the world a, a better place, I think, is suddenly going to climb up that, um, you know, social responsibility ladder for us all. Yeah, and I think... I think all of that coupled with the time that we've all had, you know, like life has been for many of us who are sat at home working or furloughed, you know, who aren't on the front line of this, life has, it's had a bit of a slower pace to it, you know, for many of us. Uh, it's, it's given us time to think, it's given us time to ponder. And I, and there are going to be some decisions that come out the back of that. And I think from a, from a team member perspective, people are going to be far more ready to, to challenge, you know, what, what good are we doing as a company? You know, what's our purpose here? What are we, what are we trying to achieve? You know, is this, is this company being run in a way that, uh, that I'm proud of and that I want to be, um, I want to be part of, you know, I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm seeing on Twitter a lot is people talking about how, as leadership teams, we will be judged by future employees on how we handled this crisis, uh, which I think is, which I think is really interesting. But let's use that as a, as I guess, a jumping off point to th consider the team. Um, you know, and you and you talked up at the kind of top of the show about how people might be thinking about trauma. You know, are there any other effects that you think we're going to see um, across the team that we should be prepared for, or? that we should start to be thinking about in terms of, okay, how do we support them? How, how are we going to make sure that we are adapting as a business as the lockdown uh, rolls down? I think it, it, it goes back to your point there about um, we will be judged as business leaders for a long time on how we handle this situation. And I think people will have seen the true colours of um the people in leadership in leadership roles within their business and whether that they've had a good experience or a bad experience um i think people everywhere are going to be much more aware of working for good people um you know have they agreed with the decision making that has happened um do they feel they have been treated well through the process if they have, they will value that more. And that will be something that will, will stay on their criteria list when they are looking for jobs in the future. I mean, I want to work in a place where I am respected and, and looked after and thought of and valued. Um, even more so if in the last few few weeks you haven't felt that. Um, it's It will make, I'm so sure of it, make people think, wow, I am never going to put myself in a position again where I am that easily disposed of or um, treated with that little respect and courtesy. Um, you know, they say no one really remem remembers what you tell them, but they remember how you make them feel. And and that is something I think that um, 
our team is going to massively apply to our teens. They are going to expect um, uh, people to treat them like like humans, not not numbers like numbers and, and employees. When you look at, I guess, the way that you guys have responded, mm. do you are you proud of how you responded, or, or is there is there feedback you give yourself? That's a good question. Um, I am proud, actually. Um, I'm really proud of of how we've responded. I think we have phased our and changed our behaviour. Um, you know, very much at the beginning, it was focused on um, almost like locking down the hatches, if that's the right phrase. Um, you know, making yes, sure survival. Yeah, like, making sure we were speaking to clients, getting a read on the immediate impact on them, um, getting everyone set up, working from home. And it, it wasn't on like looking at how we're going to do this long term. Um, and it was quite a lot of like telling and instruction giving, but empowering people to make decisions um, for themselves, their own clients, their own ways of working type thing. Um, and then now it's about those kind of constant weekly updates on how things are developing and progressing and how we're planning for the long term. Um and we've, you know, we always try and ask for feedback from the team as much as possible, but we bought in um, Office Vibe um, right at the beginning of this as a tool to just get a weekly pulse of how everyone's feeling. And the feedback that has come through there has honestly just been so brilliant. A, really helpful. You know, it picks up on those really small details that you can do to improve things. Um, you know, like what people need. Like, for example, loads of people didn't have things like comfortable office kind of work chairs at home. So we doubled wellbeing budgets so people could, um, you know, expense stuff at home that they needed to, to create that healthy work environment for them. Um, so it gave us little nuggets like that, but it's also just been so lovely to read things like um, people saying they've agreed with the decision-making, they have felt up to date. And that encouragement has been, um, has been amazing amazing to read because it's not none of us have ever dealt with a situation like this before right um mm. so to even get one bit of like i thought that was right type feedback um has made me proud yeah and 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 yeah you definitely should be right anyone that's that's acted with the best interests of their team and their business at heart um you know which i know many people will have done um you know should be proud um yeah, and, and it's 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 not always easy to do that when you're in a, a time that is, you know, unprecedented and and incredibly incredibly stressful. Do you see an effect, like a long term effect, on culturally what's important to Bourne? Do you, do you think your culture uh, will have adapted through all of this now? it can be both in an additive way or in a, in a, in a negative way, but do you think it will have changed at all? Um, I mean, we've, our culture is very much defined by our values, um, which actually in a time like this have never rung truer, which was such a relief. Um, you know, you think you've got pretty good values and it's only at times like this where they really get put to the test and their relevancy is, is challenged and and they really have been bang on and held us together so it's I feel like it hasn't I don't think our culture will change I think we'll have more confidence in it um 
And I feel like as a result, it will feel even stronger because, you know, that kind of formula that we've outlined in our values of, of what our culture is has never felt truer, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And do you think that other businesses are going to have to respond to all of this by ensuring that they too have got confidence in their culture? I if maybe your culture didn't hold up in the way that you thought it would through all of this, coming out the other side, do you think we're going to see businesses go, we need to be prioritizing building a culture that we're confident in, building a culture that can withstand both the good times, but also the bad and difficult times? 100%. Because actually what's been so interesting in this time, we've had to see businesses pivot their offering. Like their business models have fundamentally changed. Um, and you can do that and kind of remain the same business if your culture is there and remains that constant, you know, I've called it the conductor of the orchestra in um, something I've just written. But if you've got that as that, that stability, what you kind of put on top of it can change and iterate, but it can still feel like it's the same business. Um, so my, and my advice to anyone who is feeling like their culture hasn't kind of stood the stood this test is a like don't beat yourself up about it it was a really hard challenge so now you've got the opportunity to kind of build from the ground up um but it's a really great time to be really honest with yourself and your whole company and say hey you know we we kind of crumbled then didn't we like how are we going to avoid that happening again and let's decide what what we want our culture to be going forward. Um, you know, when we we unapologetically worked very hard at building and maintaining ours, and when we created our values, they were a blend of what we currently are and what we want to be. Some of those things we weren't there yet, but by putting it down on paper and committing it to it, naturally it has evolved, and we can now hand on heart say we are all of those things that we say our culture is. And do you think you're all of those things consistently or do you think they kind of ebb and flow and they, and, and they adapt as the weeks and months and years pass? Is it a constant state or is it something that's more in flux? Um, I think depending on the business challenge, um, all the challenges you're facing in your role um, at a kind of a more granular level, um, you can pull on the, the ones that you need to help you through that specific challenge. So yes, I think you can see peaks um, in, in certain values, but I do think all your values should kind of be um, interlinking and reliant on each other. So, you know, you almost can't fulfill one without the other. Um, certainly that's how, you know, we feel about ours. Um, you know, we, for, to give an example, see challenges opportunity is one of our values. And that's very much like the mindset. Um, the other value we have is get more from less, which is almost as the, the ideas that we come up with for our clients. And without that mindset, there is no way we can come up and approach problems in the way that we that we do with getting more from less um so at least 
two of them are are very tightly linked at any one time, which kind of keeps it fairly consistent across the board. Yeah, it's just it's just so interesting, you know. I think the the more we the more we get into culture and understand culture and think of it as a as an operational tool that we can use to really drive our business and the things we're trying to achieve, the more I think we understand it to be a you know a collection of behaviors that do ebb and flow to some degree and you know we're more likely to bring out certain behaviors at certain times right when there's the opportunity for those behaviors that are inherent to the culture to really shine you know that's when they they kind of come to the come to the forefront but it requires this mindset of um of nurturing of continue it's not something that you do once and then put it down it's got to be something that you're continually thinking about and so you know like you said if you think coming out of this that you need to do some work on on your culture it's it's not a project yeah it's it's a mindset shift it's a culture is important for us as a fundamental tool for how you run a business and either it is or it isn't and this middle ground of we'll spend three months thinking about it and we'll do a presentation and roll it out there just isn't good enough yeah someone um once said to me the second you stop thinking about culture it'll become an issue it's it's very wise um okay and and just to kind of round up where we've where we've gotten to you know what's the advice that you're considering yourself in terms of how you run and think about born social um in terms of preparing for what comes next, uh, what are the things that you're, you know, you're talking to um, uh, Ben, who's the CEO, or the, all the, all the, you know, the leadership leadership team, the leaders across the business. What are the things that are kind of front of mind that if you're a business owner and you're listening to to this episode now, what are the things that you think people should be considering as kind of tangible actions coming out of this crisis? I think the first one is um, really being prepared to change permanently. I think we keep talking about this, you know, when this is over, when this is over, it's not going to suddenly be like, and it's done. Um, It's going to be a phased response. Um, But it's being prepared to change permanently. Um, And and also um, be prepared to make decisions before you're under pressure to. So what are we what are we learning now that we can already start committing to longer term? You know, these aren't, it's not going to be life as we knew it before. That, you know, that's gone. It is gone. And I think we should accept that as business leaders and therefore start making decisions on um, the longer term and what we are currently feeling. So yeah, review your flexible working policy for example, like, what are you waiting for? Because, you know, it is going to be a long time before they suddenly go, yeah, go back to your old office and get everyone in there all together tomorrow. You know, that's just not going to happen. So I do think the advice and the, certainly the, the the things that we're talking about internally is, is that preparedness to change permanently and already beginning to think about what those permanent changes might be. Um, and and in terms of the timeline on those decisions, again, one of the things I think we've learned is we've tried to make decisions before, yeah, we're under pressure to make them. So 
you know, we're planning on what our office situation is. We're planning a phased return to the office. We don't know when that's going to be, but let's do it now before suddenly lockdown's over and we are all able to be in together and everyone's demanding answers and we're probably not going to come up with our best solution. So whilst it's really easy to stay in the here and now because it's, you know, it's everything around us is pulling us so closely into the, this immediacy, um, really we need to try and remain looking at that longer term with that longer term vision um, and and using the things that we are feeling and experiencing in the in the short term to to guide those longer term decisions. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're spot on. There's an amazing book called Super Teams, and in that they use the example of of the SAS, I think, and you know their whole sort of um, way of working is built upon this foundation of pre- preparedness because you are so much more likely to make a better decision in a stressful environment if you've prepared for what those decisions could be. And so those two bits of advice you gave there, which is, you know, be prepared that things are going to be different and start to think about those decisions that you need to make before you actually need to make those decisions because um, you're going to make a better decision if you if you consider this stuff uh, in advance. Um and, and with that, I guess, sage and wise uh, advice, we have to bring um, today's episode uh, to a close. I've got to say a big thank you to Shah uh, for joining us today. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I've had the best time. What a lovely start to my day. Yeah. It was lovely. I feel like we could have sat here and talked for two hours, but no one would have wanted that. Maybe you would have. <laughs> if, you, if you wanted us to talk for two hours, then, then let us know and we will, we will kindly oblige. Um, I have to thank uh, Mel, our producer from behind the virtual glass for continuing to keep this show on the road and making sure that we are bringing you a new episode every single week Uh, that's our promise and and to all of you for listening along wherever you are um, at home uh, maybe sat in your garden maybe out on your um, hour of sanctioned um, exercise for your day we really appreciate you listening along with us remember if there's a topic or issue you'd like us to discuss drop us a line i'm at gately on twitter and we're at join charlie we look forward to seeing you again next week I've been Ben Branson-Gailey, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. <laughs>